Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. You're listening to Double G Radio. To all the non-believers, how did that? all the non-believers, anybody can be beat. Relax and enjoy our expert analysis of all pro teams in the concrete jungle. Can't wait. And welcome into the Big Apple Sports Hour with Stopsky and G. I am your host, Matt Stopsky. Uh, the great American hero will be on momentarily uh, as we talk a lot about Carmelo Anthony today. That's really the biggest story in New York right now is where Carmelo Anthony will land and what that will bring back to the Knicks. Will it be Kyrie Irving? Will it be somebody else? Uh, we're hearing reports now, possibly Oklahoma City. So let's bring in the guests first, uh, the host first. So we uh, got the co-host today, because Greg is going to be in and out, is uh, our good buddy, usually the hockey specialist, but also just you know, the, the, the guy that's the best, you know, the pizza-eating lover. Well, really not anymore. He's thin now. Uh, but score Mike Warren is joining us today. Hey, you doing, Mike? Not too bad, Matt. Good to, good to be on. Good to talk some basketball. This NBA offseason's been crazy, and I have a feeling it's not over. Yeah, no, it's uh, it, it's a crazy, crazy offseason. Probably more exciting than the actual season. Um, and I can't wait to talk to Mel with you and with Greg. And Greg, I think, just hopped on. So let's see if the American hero is here. Greg, buddy, you here? I am on, brother. How are you? Awesome. I'm doing good. We got the, got the gang together, man. Stop the The band's back together. Warren. This is, uh, we are back together and talking Carmelo Anthony trade talk. Oh. Um, I, and it, it's, here we are. Here we are. We, uh, we're, we're, we're kind of late into July now. Usually by this point, the drama is over, but not for the Knicks. We can't do anything easy. So there have been a lot of rumors going around. Uh, I saw the trade possibility yesterday of a three-team trade with the Suns and Cleveland, which would send Melo to Cleveland and uh, Kyrie to us, plus a bunch of other trades. Now I see, I think Bill Simmons was the one who reported that uh, Carmelo Anthony and Oklahoma City are now, uh, I guess, I'm interested. Uh, interested in Carmel Anthony. Greg, I'll start with you. What would be the best landing spot for Carmelo, and what would be the best trade partner for the Knicks? Well, the best landing spot for Carmelo would be anywhere that's not New York City. Obviously, um, I, I don't really know how it would fit with with the Houston Rockets. I know that's where he wants to end up, and you know that would be great. You got a big three there, but. 
that's three guys who need the basketball in their hands a lot of the time. So if I'm Carmelo, I, I want to go play. Obviously, Houston is probably a nicer place than Cleveland. But if I'm Carmelo, I want to play with the best player in the world and a guy who is good at sharing the basketball, doesn't always need to take the big shot. We've seen LeBron kind of pass on the big shot to Kyrie. And, and Melo, we know he loves the spotlight and he loves to take that big shot. I think if he ended up in Cleveland, I think that would be the best place for him. And obviously, being a Knicks fan, if you can get Kyrie Irving out of that too, I, I'm, not, not, I'm not too upset about that. Mike, man, what do you think? Uh, same question, best place for Melo and best trade partner for the Knicks. I actually I agree with Greg 100% on this one. I mean, hey, if the if the Knicks can somehow get Kyrie Irving, I mean that, that would change things around a little bit. But uh, you know, you go to Cleveland if you're mellow, LeBron's going to get him the ball and he's going to be able to do his thing. He goes to Houston. I'm still trying to figure out how that's going to work out. I'm still trying to figure out how it's going to work out between Chris Paul and James Clark, let alone anybody else. I mean, now if OKC he goes there, which is a possibility, that could work, but. And again, is Russ going to give up the ball? There, there's way too many variables in this. Yeah, no, it's it's going to be interesting to see where Melo goes and, and what he does because either way, wherever he goes, is going to be not the number one guy. It's going to be just to see how he fits into a number two role, uh, especially in under two under LeBron or under Russ or even three uh, in Oklahoma City or for three in Houston. So we'll have to see how that works out. But I want to talk real quick about the trade uh, that – Legion Hoops put out on uh, July 22nd in a tweet. They said this was a proposed trade that was talked about. Um, I'm not sure of the accuracy of this, but either way, I want to talk about it and see what we think about it. In this trade, it would be Cleveland, the Knicks, and the Suns. Mello and Eric Bledsoe would go to Cleveland. Kyrie and Tyson Chandler would go to the Knicks. And Kevin Love and Frank from France would go to the Suns. I really don't care about the Suns. We, that, I mean, that's not thing that I really care about right now. Let's really focus first on New York. What would that starting five look like if we had Kyrie, Tyson, uh, Tim Hardaway Jr., and Christos Porzingis? I, I'm not sure who would play the, the small forward role, but those starting four, does that make the Knicks a playoff team, Mike? I think they contend for a seven or an eight in that position. I think Kyrie Irving's good enough to give them a star where they can make something work with that. And I think Porzingis, you know, it, he can go to the outside. That gives them another shooting option. He can play inside as well. I, I think it's enough to get to seven or the eight. You think that's a seven or eight in the East with that kind of lineup? Greg, is he crazy? I don't know if he's crazy because honestly, they've had Carmelo there for a while with with you know Porzingis, and nothing really seems to have come of it. Um, I do think that they will they'll they'll contend, but you know I thought this team last year might be able to get in the, themselves in the middle of the playoff pack, and they weren't really able to do it. So I, I think Mike's right on. I think you you can't have your expectations be too high. You have to temper your enthusiasm if you're a Knicks fan because we've seen plenty of letdown in the past. And I'm not ready to say, even if they have Kyrie and they have Porzingis, that they're going to be, you know, even a five or six seed. I, I think you, you have to be realistic as a Knicks fan saying, okay, the rest of this roster is not very good. Porzingis and Kyrie are not going to absolutely just carry you all the way through. You need some other guys uh, to, to help step up. And 
and God forbid an injury happens, you know. So I think Mike's right on with, with the seven or eight seed. Maddie, let, let me pose that question to you. Do you think both of us are crazy, or, or what, what, what's your feeling about this whole thing? Absolutely, you guys are crazy, man. I understand. Of course. Kyrie and Chris Porzingis, I don't think that's enough. But Tyson Chandler, I think we forget how big of a piece Tyson Chandler was when he was with the Knicks. And with Dallas. I think you now, forget how old he is. He's not player anymore as he was. He's old. Yeah, he's a little older, but he's not the same player he was then, but he's a defensive presence that the Knicks just don't have and haven't had in a long time, especially when it comes to the free throw shooting and everything else. Oh, not free I'm sorry. Uh, rebounds. And I, I was free throw shooting. That'd be a problem. Um, but him plus Tim Hardaway Jr., that's a starting four that in a very watered-down East, I think, could give you the four seed. Absolutely. I mean, I would like to think so, but again, as Knicks fans, we need to temper our enthusiasm because we've seen this before where we thought we were going to be good, and then Carmelo goes down, and things don't work out, and I understand Kyrie is younger, and uh, you know Tyson, yeah, he is a little older, but he is a great rim protector, but I don't know how that would fit in with the style of, of, of offense that they want to play because he really has no offensive game, and I don't want him clogging up the middle for you know the drivers or Porzingis or, or anything like that. The other thing, too, you well, got to remember kind of in this is the, the East, yes. I'm sorry, Mike, go ahead. A four is it's okay. A four is possible because, really, outside of Boston and Cleveland, and I'm only keeping Cleveland there right now because it's LeBron James, anything can happen three on back. I mean, you think, all right, the Wizards probably have three locked up with the team that they have. But after that, it's a toss-up. I mean, as long as Gordon Rogers is in Miami, I think he's still going to have the four. But the Knicks sneaking in and getting a six, seven, or eight, I think, is more realistic than getting a four seed because there's still decent basketball players in the East, even though it seems like the entire cavalry is going to the other side of the country. Yeah, no, there's still decent basketball players in the East, but I feel like that starting four would be excellent. And, Greg, what kind of offense are we looking to run next year? Now, now that the triangle is officially gone, uh, what, what, are you, what do you think you're going to be trying to run this year? So, see, I think that's that's a big question. Um, you know, we saw in Phoenix what Jeff Hornacek was able to do. He likes the, you know, the up-tempo style, sort of like the Mike D'Antoni-ish, um, you know, where I think he preaches a little bit more defense, and I think the organization is trying to preach more defense to uh, to all this Knicks team and into this organization. But I think we're going to see a little bit more up-tempo, a little bit more spacing and free-flowing and kind of letting the guys do what they want instead of being force-fed some offense that they're not comfortable running. And I, and I think Jeff Hornacek understands the modern-day player. Obviously, Phil Jackson didn't understand the modern-day player. He didn't, he didn't get it. He just was like, this is what's worked for me in the past. We are going to run this. I know it works, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I get it. You don't have a Kobe. You don't have a Michael. And that's, that's your problem. So I think Jeff Hornacek is going to open it up a little bit. And, and I saw him on the sideline last year, a lot of, okay, let's get going, let's get going, you know, twirling his finger in a, in a circle, like, hey, let's go, let's push, let's push. But it, it's hard to push and try to run the triangle at the same time. It was very contradictory, and it was very – it was just very jumbled last year. So I'm hoping that Hornacek's able to install his offense the way he wants to, a little bit more free-flowing. And if they do have Tyson – if they do end up getting Tyson Chandler back, and you do have Kyrie, you can utilize Tyson Chandler in the pick-and-roll situation, and you can just get some, hopefully, some easy lobs to Tyson Chandler, and then you stretch Porzingis out on the four, and maybe, he, you know, if they shut down and they come out and help uh, the pick-and-roll, the screen-and-roll, that'll leave 
you know, whether it be Porzingis or Courtney Lee or whomever the four or the three is, open, and hopefully they, they, they drain some outside shots. Yeah, I definitely think that uh, Hornacek definitely knows how to be a better coach than, than still does at this day and age, and I think he will develop an offense around the talent he has. And obviously, if he has to develop an offense around the talent he has, I think he'd rather have the roster of the proposed trade um, because when you're working with Carmelo, your offensive uh, options are very limited because you have to build an offense that allows Carmelo to succeed. When you have Kyrie, who's much more of a playmaker uh, and a facilitator than and Carmelo is, I feel like you can really expand that offense, really expand that playbook. Uh, and then you already have Hardaway, who's a jump shooter, and you have Kristaps Porzingis, who's a freaking unicorn. Uh, and Tyson doesn't have to score points. And he can just get a few, uh, few easy put-back shots or some nice dunks here and there, I think they'd be fine. You know, I'm not saying the Knicks are going to contend for the East by, by any stretch of the imagination with this lineup, but I think if the Knicks do this, overnight they go from a garbage fire to a team that will be fun to watch next year. Yeah, now, I mean – I'll real quick because I want to – I'm sorry, Greg. What's that? I'm sorry. I didn't. I didn't know if Mike was going to take that one or if you were directing that one at me. Me either. I, I left it <laughs> open in the air for you guys to take it. I, sorry, that that was a bad hosting. I didn't. I really didn't give it a direct. Uh, I didn't really direct that quote that question to anybody. It was kind of just up there for you guys to take it. Uh, I'm glad to see that none of you did. You are excellent people. Uh, so let's. I wanted. I wanted Greg, to take want, it, want, but I wasn't sure. I thought. I thought Mike would take it. Nah, nah, All right, he's, so he's good. Mike is busy getting in shape right now. Okay. All right. So, and I'm just busy. I'm I'm just on vacation. I'm just relaxing. So I'll I'll take this one. Um, you know, I think you're you're right. I think you know with the proposed trade, if it were to happen, and again, Carmelo Anthony holds all the cards here because he can reject any trade that he wants. So this is purely speculation at this point. And and obviously, he knows if he goes to Cleveland they're not going to be as good a team without Kyrie. But if they do get Bledsoe back, that's definitely not, you know, a bad uh, a bad prize to, to get into return. You know, there's definitely worse guys that you could have running your franchise or running your team than Eric Bledsoe. Uh, a guy can score the basketball. We haven't really been able to see him on a big stage. Uh, he was on a couple of those good Clipper teams, but and then he got dealt. And, um, and, you know, he's been with the Suns and hasn't really, you know, been on any really good teams. But I think he's a good point guard, and, and that'll help. But, again, it all comes down to what Carmelo Anthony wants. We know he wants out of New York, and it kind of seems odd to me that he wants to go back with Mike D'Antoni, a guy who he had a problem with in New York, it seemed like, when Jeremy Lin was running thing and, and things, and Lin's sanity was insane and off the charts, and, and he was a little jealous that Jeremy Lin was getting all the, you know, the excitement in the press and whatnot, and it wasn't about Carmelo Anthony anymore. So I don't know how that would work. Um, I know Chris Paul is also one of his buddies, and, and, and I'm sure he's looking at that saying, okay, well, you know, this might be a ball-dominant team, but Chris Paul's a good point guard. Yeah, he, he likes to score, but he can distribute the basketball. And we've seen James Harden average over 10, 11 assists last season, so he can also distribute the basketball. And you know what? Maybe he would be a little unselfish and and distribute the basketball a, a little bit more than we're all thinking. And maybe just, you know, his scoring average would go down because he's actually got some help. Instead of being the only guy in Houston to score the basketball, you bring in a Carmelo Anthony. You bring you have Chris Paul there. You have other guys on the outside who can shoot, uh, like Ariza and Ryan Anderson right now. 
you might be okay. And maybe James Harden would be a little bit more unselfish. And, you know, his scoring average would dip, and Carmelo Anthony can continue to score, and Chris Paul can continue to score, and maybe it would work. I don't know. But I also think Carmelo looks at it like, yeah, you know, I don't really want to play defense, and I'm not, you know, I'm not, I don't really like being held accountable because at this stage of my career, I just want to score the basketball because that's what I'm good at. Um, you know, obviously New York is not a, a great place for that because we're trying to get younger and they're trying to preach defense because they don't have that huge scoring output that Houston is going to have. But Houston has the luxury of, okay, we can score the basketball more than you. We don't have to get stops. We can just outscore you. And, and, and you know, we have all these different weapons to score the basketball from anywhere on the court. So I think that's kind of what they're thinking. And I think that's what Carmelo Anthony uh, is thinking as well, going to wanting to go to Houston. But again, like Mike and I both said, you know, go go to Cleveland, play with LeBron, you know, and then, you know, maybe it's just one year. Maybe LeBron opts out and, and he goes somewhere else and maybe Carmelo Anthony can go with him. I, I don't know. I hear L.A. has, you know, is going to have, I think in a year or so, they're going to have room to sign two big stars and it could be Carmelo and Mel, or uh, Carmelo and, and LeBron. All right, I, I want to raise this question to Mike real quick. Uh, see, I know I'm really directing these questions. Uh, so, like, <laughs> I, I know, I've heard people say that uh, the better move for the Cavaliers would be to hold on to Kyrie and try to get rid of, Le- of LeBron uh, via trade. Now, I know LeBron has said under no circumstance will he waive his no-trade clause. Uh, if you were the front office of the Cleveland Cavaliers, what would you do in the situation? Now, Kyrie is younger. He's under contract for longer. LeBron, obviously the best player in the, in the world right now and probably the best player except on Cleveland's, on Cleveland's floor. But he was probably going to opt out next year and go somewhere else. I know it's a tough decision, but what would you make? Well, it, it really depends on what you're looking for. I think Dan Gilbert knows. After this year, we're going to be terrible again no matter what happens. To me, you get rid of Kyrie because you can get something realistic that can realistically be a good enough trade in return. If you try to get rid of LeBron, LeBron there's not enough in the world the team's going to give up to be able to get – to be able to send to Cleveland. So you're not going to trade LeBron either at the end of the day. Personally, I think you get rid of Kyrie, you get enough guys, and you know, one thing that's been talked about, Kyrie to Miami. I may be the only one, I may be crazy in this situation, but if Miami could give up Goran's Rogic to go to Cleveland, that team gets light years better right away because he's probably the best pass for his point guard in the NBA. So you look at that now, and all of a sudden it's like, all right, Kyrie really, he, he's the moving table. you got to have At the end of the day without LeBron, you saw what Kyrie did by himself in Cleveland. And it wasn't that good. Do you really want to sit through that again? Let's see if we can get something to try to build something around him and get a few more guys so we're at least a playoff team maybe after next year when LeBron does leave. Greg, man, react to that uh, that trade proposal from Mike. Kyrie to Miami, what do you think? I think if Kyrie was smart, that, that would be the place he would want to go, to be very honest with you, because they're a very, good, well, they're a very well-run franchise. You know, the Knicks we've seen are a bit of a dumpster fire, and to state it lightly. Uh, and Miami is good and solid. You know, they're, they're basically as solid as it comes when it comes to organizations. They're, I would kind of compare them to Boston because they've been steady. They, you know, Pat Riley has done a really good job down there. Uh, Eric Spolstra, we've seen he can coach good players. You know, he received a lot of heat when things weren't going great in Miami when it was Wade, LeBron, and Bosch. But, you know, he stuck it out, and he's still there. And he got a, a team that wasn't very good and very talented last year, I think, to, to play above what they were expected. 
Uh, and they've got some good young pieces there, and uh, and I think that might be a spot where Kyrie could go and could be the man and have, would have a Hassan Whiteside there with him to kind of, you know, obviously be that force in the middle, and he could do do his thing from the outside. And, and another thing that – another trade possibility that's been coming up and that's been interesting, and I, I don't know if you were going to mention this, Matt, but I'll, I'll do it for you if you were. Um, kind of another, another trade scenario would be Kyrie to, to the Timberwolves. And maybe the, the Cavs get Andrew Wiggins back. Wouldn't that be some serendipity? Really? Then do it do that? I don't know. That's, that's some of the rumors that I've heard flo- floating around. I don't Listen, know. It would make the Timberwolves really, really good. I, I don't know if the Timberwolves, sorry, I had to say that, want to give up the uh, – if Thibodeau really wants to give up what he's gotten, though, because, I mean, you still have something out of Wiggins. I know Kyrie sends him over the edge, but – and then again, too, Kyrie's always wanted to play with Jimmy Butler. So, it, on second thought, maybe that will work. What? You're not crazy, Craig, on that one at all. I've, that that actually could be one hell of a move that actually puts the Timberwolves maybe in a top four spot in the West. In a in a crowded West, and then you have uh, you have the the Cleveland Cavaliers getting you know obviously they they get a good piece in return if you get Wiggins back. And Matt, you and I both had talked about how it was LeBron's fault that they're not going to be good, and how you know he may never win a, never win another championship in Cleveland because he kicked Wiggins out for Kevin Love. Maybe he'll finally have the chance to play with Wiggins. Not saying that that'll make them a, you know, a, you know, a championship team that's able to compete with Golden State. But you know, at the same time, if they get a Wiggins back and they still got everybody they have there, they'll definitely be competing for the chance to represent the East when it comes down to the finals again next year. Okay, my only well, I question think, with that. No. Back. You want me to go, or you want to go? Oh. I, you, um, I want to say one thing before I let you uh, before you give your score and Warren analysis. I just want to say one thing to Greg. Uh, I, I I know we've been talking about Wiggins and uh, and that's was on our podcast on Saturday Night Sports about how you know LeBron getting rid of Wiggins is one of the worst moves he made in Cleveland uh, for Kevin Love. Exchanging Wiggins for Kyrie Irving would be such a monumental downgrade for that team that. Yes, they'll still compete for the East because LeBron and four and four raccoons to compete for the East. Uh, but Wiggins is not going to help the Cavaliers. Uh, it will help them the year after that when LeBron is gone. They'll have a piece to build around. But Kyrie leaving, and honestly, no matter who they get back for Kyrie, if it's not for a push this year, it almost doesn't even matter because they they really they they've shot themselves in the foot. By uh, Cleveland, and with Kyrie leading, the absolute worst thing that could happen to him. Well, my thing on this, at the at the end of the day, though, I think the better option to give up if you're Minnesota is Rubio. You're getting point guard for point guard in that situation. You probably got to give up somebody else too, and it may be Williams. But I, and I realize Levine already went to the Bulls. But you have a lot there where I think something tells me Thibodeau is not the biggest fan of Rubio in America, just the way Rubio plays. I, I think you do that. That gives LeBron so that's, that's why he, two uh, point guard. That, well, that's why he traded Rubio to the Jazz. It's all yeah, you're right. Oh, wow. This is what what I was going to say, I thought he already got traded. Yeah, you know what? Yeah. Um, Listen, Mike, Mike, your hindsight is 20-20, man. That is, that is excellent hindsight. <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, that move would have worked. Though. It would have been great. I think that would have been the greatest, would have been a great move. But unfortunately, Ricky plays for Utah, so that's not going to help out right now. Um, I, you know what? Disclaimer: yeah, we, we are in New York sports show. Utah is far. <laughs> it's it's all good, man. But uh, yeah, that's. I, yeah, that uh, can't happen. Either way, Cleveland. Cleveland is is how this ends up for Cleveland. They're going to be worse next year. Um, there's no way they get better after this Kyrie deal. You know whether they go the route that we've seen, like for the mellow and the Bledsoe, kind of looking for one final push with LeBron against the against the Warriors this year, or they go the Wiggins route with Greg, what you said, talked about, and go for the future. Either way, Cleveland's dominance is over. In, in not this year in 2017-2018, but 2018-2019, Cleveland Cavaliers are not going to be a team that we talk about as a contender. Uh, and you know, it's a shame for them, but uh, just back to the Knicks real quick because you know, I, want, I want to circle back to them. Um, it, the Knicks have a chance right now to, to really do some great things because everyone we're talking about, whether it be Houston or Cleveland, uh, or uh, or anyone else, or uh, Houston, Cleveland, Oklahoma City. I feel like Melo would waive his no trade clause for any one of those three teams because they're all good teams. Uh, I don't think, Greg. I feel like you you put Melo as this selfish player too often. When all he wants to do is score. I think he wants to do is win right now. I think this guy just wants to win. I think he also wants to score his points. I think he wants to win more than anything else. He's tired of losing, buddy. which you know. Hey, listen, but buying a lot and also winning helps. Uh, so he's, if he goes to one of these three teams, I think he'll do what he has to. I think he'll see a a more charged Carmelo Anthony. I think he'll see a more defensive Carmelo Anthony at times. I think he'll see him play some defense, which I'm not saying he's going to be – he's not going to be all defensive team next year. But, I mean, he may, like, you know, occasionally contend a shot. Uh, I think you could see – I think we'll see a really interesting Carmelo Anthony next year if he ends up on one of these three teams or just – Anywhere that's not New York, because I think he's absolutely done with the Knicks, and I don't blame him. They they did him real dirty uh, this last year, and I don't blame him. Oh, well, it was it was more that Phil uh, did him real dirty. Well, you know, it's it's not it's it's not like James Dolan came out and, and helped him out in any way. No, he he let him go through that. That's uh, that's it is what it is, and, and as but as much as you no, know, it is it's Phil Jackson. Phil Jackson is the extension of the Knicks. Uh, when he's that president, so that's nothing you can. That's they really did him dirty. It wasn't wasn't good. Uh, but if if Kevin Love and Frank from France are going to Phoenix, is that kind of like being traded into obscurity? Uh, well, I mean, I don't know if it's being traded to obscurity. I, I think Phoenix is they've they've got some nice young pieces there, and uh, maybe they they could do something. In the future, obviously, they're not going to really contend in the West because obviously, if they were in the East, I'd say maybe they would. They'd be able to contend a little bit more, but being in the Western Conference, yeah, it is it is kind of obscurity out there in uh, in Phoenix. Uh, well, sorry for them, but oh, the, the Knicks need to get better. I do hope they do this. Uh, but let's let's switch gears real quick. Let's uh, let's Greg, do you have any, maybe a little more time before you have to head out, or you got to go? Yeah, yeah, no, I'm, I'll I'll let you know when I got to go. I'm I'm good for right now. Because uh, I want to talk Mets real quick. I want to talk yes. really the savior of the Mets, the the honorable 
Tim the Tebow. Holy Tim Tebow. Yes. Oh, God, up, here we go. Lighting it up in single A. Uh, bring back the Tebow poses. Here we go. Tebow mania is running wild again in New York. We knew it was going to happen eventually. It didn't work out for the Jets because they're terrible, but it's working out for the Mets. And here we go. Tim Tebow is now uh, killing it in single A. He will probably call it double A pretty soon. Uh, he's earned his way up there. It's not just his name. Greg, as a Mets fan, what do you think of all this? I think it's great. I had a conversation actually with my uncle last night who is a Cardinals fan. And I asked him, I'm like, you know, what do you, what do you think of Tim Tebow? What do you think of him, you know, doing this and, and trying to play baseball at this at this late in his career and, and you know, how old he is, almost being 30? And, uh, you know, being a football player and, you know, you think it's publicity stunt or do you support it? And, you know, being a non-Met fan, he was like, you know what? If Tim Tebow, you know, wants to do that and, and he's given the opportunity and, and he's playing well enough, I, I, I have no problem with it. He's, a, you know, he's a great guy and he's got a great mindset. And, and I said the same thing. I was like, yeah, he's got a, he's got a phenomenal mindset for the game of baseball, I think. Um, you know, just in general, he has a really good, you know, good head on his shoulders. It seems like, you know, from what he puts out there. And um, I understand people want to criticize him for the uh, the religion stuff and and feeling like you know he's shoving that in everybody's face. He's just he's just really stating how he feels. Uh, he's not saying that you should believe the same thing he he does, but he's just telling you how he feels and what he believes and things like that. And I think he's got a really good head on his shoulders for baseball, and and I think he'll be successful. I don't know if he'll ever be successful at the major league level because that's a whole different ball game. But man, he's sure making it fun in this. Uh, in this 2016 season or 2017 season here uh, in the minor leagues, at least. And, and like we've talked about, if the Mets are out of it and they've traded away guys, which they probably are going to do, and they're probably going to be out of it. I would have absolutely zero problem with them bringing Tebow up to the major leagues. Um, as long as he's progressing a little bit each time, if he's batting like 200, 150 and like double a or triple a, if he gets there, um, you know, it, it's probably not worth it. But again, I wouldn't put it past the Mets and, and the ownership to bring him up just as a as a publicity stunt, uh, just to sell some tickets and to maybe sell some Mets jerseys and things like that and to get the concessions up a little bit uh, towards the end of the season and, and a miserable season. But, man, it's fun watching Tebow do his thing. I got the update on my phone saying you know, that he hit his fourth home run in single A already since he's been there. And He's far surpassed whatever Michael Jordan was able to do going from basketball to baseball. Mike, man, as a non-New York Mets fan, how do you view the Tim Tebow craze right now? Well, hey, I'm with Greg. If they're going to trade people away, you know the season's over. Why not bring them up? It'll get you talking about – well, it'll get you talking about New York baseball in a second life because we already know the Yankees are going to be contenders here toward the end of the year, hopefully. But the, uh, you know, why not? If he's going to hit, because if he hits a home run at City Field, oh, we're never going to hear the end of it, number one. But number two, hey, if it's going to make the team money, who am I to say no? Fair enough. If they're going to make money, who are you to say no? Um, I, I, How do you feel about I'm it? Really interested to see what he can do. I I I, I like it. You know, it's, I thought it was really dumb when it first started. I thought there was no way he was going to do this. You know, playing baseball. Although I give it, I know I, I give the sport a lot of crap every now and then because I think it's 
really boring. I think the season is way too long. I think the game has to be improved and get dragged into the 21st century at times. But baseball sports is such a but baseball sport is such a hard sport to play. It's a it's a really really hard sport to play, especially batting. You know, that's a so much happens in fractions of a second that you know unless you are unless you're playing the sport from an uh, early age and you're out there naturally get to the athlete to make it to that level. It's really hard to, to make it. And I just thought Tim Tebow coming, you know, having a football background, I guess he's a great athlete, but could he pick this up? You know, he played in high school, but that's like that's been forever ago at this point. I didn't be able to do it, but he came out and proved me wrong because uh, he's doing really well. I thought that he could definitely learn how to be a good fielder because uh, he's definitely smart enough and he's athletic enough to be a good fielder uh, or to learn to be one. But I thought hitting was going to be his biggest problem because he's been going against playing high school pitchers a decade ago. The, uh, the pitching up batting against the the best prospect in baseball, and he's killing it. Uh, so I, I'm I'm excited to see what he can do. I wanted to see where this is going to end, where his where his journey is going to lead him to. Because if it's to the major leagues, that'd be excellent. Uh, but watching him go is going to be it's going to be really fun to watch. So that that's yeah, that's I'm my sure. take on it. Uh, what do you think? Well, I was just gonna say, uh, yeah, I'm excited to see where it goes. You know, at the very least, and I'm happy that the Mets gave him an opportunity, and not, you know, like some random team, you know, that, you know, that that's not a big market, you know, maybe like the Kansas City Royals or something along those lines, or the Cincinnati Reds. Um, you know, I, I like that it was the Mets. Outside of though, I think the Colorado Rockies could have made that work pretty well. If oh, of there course, because of the whole member thing. No, that's a great point. That that would have that would have actually been a great idea if the Rockies probably would have signed him because everybody loved him in Denver. Nobody really wanted him to go, but then obviously when you bring Peyton Manning instead of Tim Tebow and you get a Super Bowl out of it, those people kind of clam up real quick. Ah uh, yes, that that is safe <laughs> safe call. Now uh, let's let's move over to the other New York team um, because really the the uh, the Mets are looking towards the future. That's kind of the way it is right now. But the Yankees are still kind of playing for right now. They just made a huge trade last week uh, with the White Sox. And I, Greg, I really want to get your opinion on this trade. The Yankees trade away. Um, Tyler Clifford, the reliever, and three prospects, uh, Ian Clark and Blake Rutherford and Tito Polo. But in return, they get third baseman Todd Frazier, uh, reliever um, David Robertson, and I think a few other guys as well. Um, Tommy Canley was the other reliever. What do you make of this? Yep. Thank you, yes. What do you think yep. of this trade for the Yankees? Does this put them in a position to make a run for it this year? Uh, and what do you think the long-term ramifications is, is going to be for this trade? Uh, Greg, you first, and then Mike, you as a Yankee fan, uh, respond after. Well, you know, me not being a Yankee fan, just looking at this objectively, I don't know a ton about Rutherford, but from Yankee fans that I talk to around work and just that I've known, that I know, it seems like this Rutherford kid was really good, but with the current outfield construction that they have, and they do have some young outfielders in Clint Frazier and some other guys that, you know, are, are up and that are going to be coming up 
there might not have been room for Rutherford if they, you know, if these guys that they have up continue to play like they've been playing. So some Yankee fans said, you know, it's not a you know bad deal. You know, we probably wouldn't have room for him anyways. Even if he is good, you know, we like the guys that we've got here. And this trade brings us a guy who's a two-time all-star at third base and two very, very established relievers. One guy who was a closer and then Tommy Canley, who uh, has been good, you know, this season. And um, we've seen in the past, if you go to the postseason, the bullpen is what is going to make or break. Um, you know, basically, you just need to get your starter through five innings, basically, and then let the bullpen take over. And they're extremely deep in the bullpen, and that could be a huge weapon for the New York Yankees if they happen to make a run and they get into the postseason. Because you look at it, you've got Canley, you've got, uh, you've got Robertson, you've got Batanzas, you've got Chapman. Those guys can severely, severely, severely shorten a game. So in the respect of getting those two bullpen arms, I love it. Now you're looking towards Todd, Todd Frazier, and this is the part I don't love too much. I think Yankee fans look at this guy and kind of get googly eyes, and they think, oh, my gosh, a former All-Star, uh, two-time All-Star in Cincinnati when the Cincinnati Reds were kind of good. But, and, you know, his defense is fine, and, yeah, he's a New Jersey guy, and, and so he's kind of coming home, if you will, you know, cue the coming home, I'm coming home, whatever music. And... Um, but I, I went back and I looked at Todd Frazier's numbers, and obviously they're not very good this year. He's batting just over 200. He's 2 for 16 as a Yankee so far. He doesn't have any RBIs, no home runs. I get it still early, but he's had 18 plate appearances, and he really hasn't done much, and this season hasn't been good. And the seasons that he was an all-star, you know, obviously he was a big power hitter. He hit 40 home runs, 35 home runs a couple of times, I think the two years that he was an all-star. And in, in that one year that he hit 35 home runs, I think he had 43, uh, 43 doubles. But other than that, he's never hit over 273, and he's never had more than, you know, the, he had that one year of 43 doubles, and then I think the other two top years was 20-something. So, you know, this is – I think Yankee fans get too googly-eyed over Todd Frazier and thinking, oh, my God, we're getting the superstar in return. And I think they need to pump the brakes and say, okay, we, we're not getting a superstar caliber player. This is a piece to the puzzle and not a guy who's going to go and carry us uh, throughout the, the rest of the season and hopefully into the playoffs. I think what they needed to do, and I hope that they still do, is go out there and get a starting pitcher, like a quality starting pitcher, especially since Michael Pineda's on the shelf now. They need to go out and get a guy, another starter. It doesn't have to be a Sonny Gray or a top-line starter. You know, Obviously, you're not giving up you know, your top prospects in Clint Frazier or Leibar Torres for a starting pitcher, but if you can get yourself like a middle of the rotation type of guy with a team that's looking to sell some pieces off, why not? That's, that's the kind of piece that you need. I think that's what the Yankees uh, really need to do to solidify themselves going forward, hopefully making a playoff run. Mike, man, what do you think? It's one of the, this is one of the reasons I like Greg so much because usually him and I are on the same page on a lot of things when it comes to each other's teams, and I agree with him 100%. Tom Frazier, don't get me wrong. It's not the worst player they could have got by any stretch of imagination, but it's not like the second coming of Derek Jeter's coming to New York here. There's plenty of guys that have been an all-star for one season, and I, I may be wrong on this, and it wouldn't be the first time I was wrong in the last 30 minutes. The uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure Votto was batting right next to him, too, back then in Cincinnati. which And Jay Bruce. Exactly. The numbers can be inflated just, just a little bit in that situation. I'm actually – I was more jazzed up about the trade because – Number one, Tommy Conley is a guy that's 
grew up 15 minutes from my hometown. So that's pretty cool to see him on the Yankees regardless. But, you know, KC Royals World Series ball is the way I'm looking at this. Now you can shorten it even more than than you could. And Joe can give give somebody a night off, you know, if a Tantris can't hit throw the ball over the plate, which seemed to be a problem lately. You know, that that can help out a little bit when it goes toward things. And I think Chapman's tired, too. You know, because I think Joe Madden overused him. Not that it's a bad thing from last year, because, hey, you got a World Series out of it. But there's a lot to go with that. Now, Greg, the other thing I agree with you on, too, is they need to get a starter. I'm going to use this name as an example, not as obviously the type of person. A Nathan Yavaldi type. Like you said, a guy in the middle of rotation, he can get you a decent game every once in a while. That's really what they need. A guy that can go out and stop gap every once in a while in a game and maybe the third spot. Because Pineda's not coming back, obviously. Tanaka, who the heck knows with him is what's going to happen. I mean, once again, CeCe's probably the best pitcher in a rotation, and it's pretty sad that we got to say that right now. Yeah, no, that's, uh, that's not good. They definitely have to go out and get a pitcher. But, you know, my thing to you, Mike, and I really want to ask you about this in, in terms of, you know, the Yankees. Also, we all talked about how good they're going to be next year. They had to do have three prospects for these guys. Now, I know Rutherford was very highly um, ranked as, as one of the better prospects the Yankees have. Not, probably not the best prospect, but definitely up there. Uh, and I know Ian Clarkson was also talked about as a, a very good prospect. Do you have a problem with them trading away their you know, prospects for these guys that might just be pieces? Yes and no. And here's why. Look back to, I realize it's a different game, but look back about 20 years ago. That's how that team was put together a lot of times. With the, they brought enough guys up, which the core is starting to come up with this next group, and they traded a lot of guys away. The other thing is a lot of these guys have reached, finally. You got Aaron Judge. You have Clint Frazier, who's now up. You got a bunch of other guys that are in the process as well. Sometimes you got to do what you got to do to win in baseball. And this is a situation where, hey, they got a shot. They can still win this division because Boston's underachieved at this point so far, in my opinion. So let's take advantage of this if they still can. Let me uh, let me throw something else in there about this trade too, Maddie and Mike, that I forgot to mention. But as you guys are sitting there talking, I'm thinking about that. I, I correct me if I'm wrong, and I don't know if either of you know, but I I, I don't I think that Frazier is. He's only got one year left on his deal. I think he might be a free agent after this season. So you can get rid of him after that if it doesn't work out. But these two relievers, which we've spoke about so highly of and that are going to be huge pieces, they're under contract for a couple years, each of them. I think Robertson's got two years, and I think Canely's got three years on his deal. So these are guys that you can control and you can keep in that bullpen. And, Mike, again, man, all the love, because you brought up a great point about – Chapman and then how he got overused last season in the postseason. Yeah, Joe Madden got a World Series at him, so he's out of him. So he's happy, and Chicago thanks him. But you can see the ill effects that it's having on him this year because he hasn't been as sharp as we've seen him in the past. Same thing with Batances. You know, Chapman went down for a little while, Clippard faltered, and you had to lean heavy on Batances, and we've seen him have some control issues and, and not be as effective as we've seen him in years past. Yeah, he was an all-star this year, but he really hasn't pitched like it of late, and, and even then. Um, but but now you bring in these two other guys, and if somebody's off or somebody's faltering, well, shoot, David Robertson can surely close a game. Uh, Canley, we don't think we've seen him really cl- being, been a closer, but he's more than capable of coming in and setting up, whether it be for Robertson, whether it be for Patances, whether it be for Chapman. But Girardi's got so much, at, so many weapons at his disposal 
even better. Uh, it may not be better, but it can be comparable to when they had Andrew Miller, when they had Chapman, and when they had Batances. And I get Andrew Miller might be, at this point, the best out of all of them. But you add in Robertson and Canley together, I think that makes up a pretty darn good bullpen. It's all about having that depth, and it's all about shortening the game. It's, we've seen a shift in the game of baseball, and I think that's where the Yankees are looking. I think that's where the front office was looking. Okay, our starting pitching, we know it's not great. You mentioned it, Mike. You, you hit the nail on the head that we don't know what, what's going to happen with Tanaka. He's been very, very questionable this season. Jordan Montgomery, thank goodness. Thank the, the, you know, thank the heavens for Jordan Montgomery. This guy's actually been pretty good this year. And um, and you, you've got CeCe, who, for the most part, he's been healthy and he's been relatively effective and he hasn't been god-awful like we've seen in the last two years. Uh, you, you know, like I said, Tanaka's up and down. Pineda's no longer there. So they do need to go out and get a middle-of-the-line starter, somebody who's capable of giving you a really good game, but is also capable of eating, eating innings for you. And I think that's what the Yankees really, really need. A guy that'll keep them in games. I think that I think that's what they what they really, really need out of another starter right now. I, I agree 100% on that. And last point before I got to head to work, guys. The, uh, you know, and you are correct on that on that uh, trade deal as well. Frazier is a free agent after this year, hence why the White Sox wanted to get rid of him, and I get that 100%. The other two guys are locked in. So the bullpen for the next few years is going to be set, barring injuries or anything. And, and like you mentioned, David Robinson, he's closed a few games in the Bronx before. He was pretty good, if I remember correctly. He's it not going to be Mariano Rivera, but who is? So I think they're going to be okay in this position where if one of them happens to go down, they're going to be okay. The question is, can they get that middle reliever, or not middle reliever, that middle stopgap starter? If Cashman's smart, which I think he's actually had the moves the last couple of years, I'm not going to argue with. I think the Yankees are primed to make a run here because I still think they're going to get one of the wild card spots, even though I still think it's in the one position. Listen, I, I'm just excited. I don't know uh, who they're going to be able to get, starting pitching wise, uh, to to help with this team. Um, but I I don't really think this is the year for the Yankees anyway. I've been saying this for a while now that I don't think this is the year for the Yankees. But you know, I, I don't run a baseball team, so what do I know really? Well, apparently everything. Cause I, have a, I have a sports talk show, so I, I actually know everything because that's how you get sports talk shows is knowing everything. Uh, but what I do know is that Mike Warren has to go to work. Uh, so, Mike Warren, I appreciate you coming on, man, spending some time with us. Uh, always good to talk to you, buddy. No problem. Thank you. Uh, a pleasure to be talk on, as always. You know, it's good to talk New York sports. I'll talk to you later. Hey, glad, glad we can be on the same page, Mikey. Enjoy work. Definitely, Greg. Thank you. See ya. Greg, man, have you right, seen man. how Ben Warren is now? Yeah, man. He's, 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 he's looking good. He's... He's small, he's, he's, dude. he's looking good. He's, he's, he is. He's sexy right now, man. He's sexy Warren. Yeah. Sexy scoring Warren. I, I like mean, it. I like it he's, a lot, he's, 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 he's not approaching the American hero status, but, I mean, at least he's kind of getting in the general scope. Yeah. So he's, he's getting close. Now, I wouldn't say uh, – I wouldn't say very – I would say like he's like the Andrew Wiggins to your Kyrie Irving. <laughs> we can talk about well, the you'll, rest, but really not you'll, you'll, you'll appreciate this. I just went and got my hair cut, you know, just trimmed up a little bit. And the barber was talking to me, uh, you know, about my hair and stuff like that. And he, he gave me a big compliment on, on how nice my hair was. So, and I, I, all I have, I have to tell you that. <laughs> Listen, it is 
lovely hair. It, uh, it is nice and flowing, and it's, uh, it's beautiful. So uh, I, your barber is right. Your barber is very, very right. Um, so uh, you got a little more time, Greg, or are you, you going to go uh, enjoy the sun rays a little bit? Well, we only got about, what, five or, you know, ten minutes here. I can give you another five minutes to wrap up the show if there was something else on your mind that you wanted to discuss. Well, I was going to switch it over to football. I was thinking, you know, just do, you know training camp starts uh, for teams this week. I was going to just do a little bit of talk on Jets-Giants, and I didn't have a plan to the schedule. But we have some time. I thought I would quickly touch upon some things if you want to stick around for that. Hey, man, you know, you, I feel like you haven't done a lot of talking here, so – I will uh, I will let you do you and get some talking in because Mike and I did a lot of talking during that segment, and uh, and so I feel like I feel we took up a little bit of your time. So I'm gonna let you talk the football. I gotta get running, but um, talk talk about the Jets, talk about the training camp with the Giants, and and how great it's gonna be having Brandon Marshall here, and how bad the Jets are gonna do, and and all that good stuff. All right, man. So I'll give uh, I'll let listeners know the uh, the expert opinion of Stopsky. But, yeah, man, having you guys talk baseball and basketball, man, listen, I, I know when I am outclassed or when I, or there is someone here who, who knows more than me. Uh, you know, I'm not one of those guys who will just, will just say nothing uh, and pretend like it's something, like Skip Bayless. I will actually let the experts yeah. speak uh, and, and give their opinion. So uh, I have no problem sitting back and listening to the great Mike Warren and Greg Lawner talk some baseball. Uh, no problem for me here. Yeah, no, it was fun. I I, I enjoyed right, breaking that down. I'm glad I'm glad Mike and I had could be on the uh, on the same page. Exactly, man. Uh, well, I will. Uh, I'll talk to you later in the week. Enjoy the sun. I'm gonna go uh, talk some Jets and Giants. So uh, I'll talk to you later, right? Yeah, man. Uh, unfortunately, we weren't able to get to the beach today. It was a little cloudier than we wanted to, and there was a threat of rain, so we didn't end up going to the beach. But uh, I'm enjoying North Carolina. It's nice to be, uh, yeah, it's nice to be out here. And uh, I think my dad and I are going to go play some golf on Thursday, and then uh, hopefully get out to the beach another one of these days during the week. Nice man. Actually, I just played yeah. some golf uh, on over the weekend, and I did terribly. So huh? I hope it'll be better than that. Oh, well, there you, I hope so. No promises. Listen, I, I I believe in uh, I I believe in drinking. And, I drink and also kind of play golf when I go golfing. So. It was uh, it was an experience. Let me tell you. Yeah, I can only imagine. We got to do All that right, one we'll time. We'll be good. Oh, I can't. I would love to. Uh, when we're back yeah. in the same state, we'll uh, we'll we'll find out time to go some, do some golfing. All right. All right, brother. Enjoy the rest of uh, the last bit of the show here. Glad we uh, I got to give you a little bit more time than I thought, and uh, I will talk to you soon. Thanks, bud. Talk to you soon, buddy. Later. All right, so uh, let's talk to Giants and Jets to close out the show. Uh, obviously, thank you, Greg and Mike, talking the Carmelo Anthony uh, trade rumors. Now, where is he going to go? Is it going to be Houston, Oklahoma City, uh, Cleveland? If you missed any of that, you can catch the show after we're done. It will replay on uh, Blog Talk Radio here on the Double G Sports Radio Network. You can definitely check all that out after it's done. Uh, also, we talked to Mets and Yankees. Yankees making that trade with the White Sox last week. Will put them over the edge. Uh, Mike and Greg waiting on that. And also the mess with Tim Tebow. Uh, uh, had, some, had some fun with that. But let's talk Giants and Jets. Training camps open up uh, for teams this week. So I want to talk a little about what we're looking at going into the season. It's, it's a camp, really. 
We'll start with the Jets because they're the worst team. Uh, I'm sorry, guys. But here, here we go. Uh, the Jets, what we're looking at in terms of, of position battles and things of interest going into camp for the fans that are actually going to go down and watch these practices, I'm going to try to catch a few of them. Maybe I'll try to catch the green-white game for the Jets. Uh, honestly, we're going to start with the quarterback. What, what is going to happen with the quarterback? Uh, in other words, Josh McCown versus Bryce Petty versus Christian Hackenberg. Uh, this is a mess right now. It's an absolute mess. I like Bryce Petty coming out of college, but he was one of those spread quarterbacks from Baylor. It's really hard to make that transition from that offense to a pro offense, and it looked like he had a hard time when he had his limited snaps last year. I don't have high hopes that Petty will be anything more than a backup when this is all said and done. McCown, we know what McCown can do. He's in his late 30s. He's been around forever. We know what he's capable of. He's a serviceable starter, really probably more of a glorified backup. And then you have Christian Hackenberg, who I have heard reports from, not just the reports you guys read uh, from the reporters or from, from inside reports, that this is not good. What's happening right now uh, is not good at training camp. We, I'm hearing that Christian is not motivated, uh, that he's not uh, putting in the time necessary to be a Pro Bowl quarterback, a franchise quarterback, and it looks like it from everything I'm seeing on the field. Now, I'm looking forward to seeing him live, seeing how he actually plays on the field, seeing how he, as he's progressed at all. But right now, the Jets are in major trouble with their quarterback. And as we heard from Sam Darnold now, the projected number one overall pick for next year's draft, he's probably going to stay in USC. And I haven't heard exactly from him but from people close to him, that that's probably what he's going to do. And I don't blame him. He's only a sophomore going into this year. He has three years of eligibility left, including this year. Why would he go to the Jets or to Cleveland when he has a a real possibility at getting a title at USC? I don't think he's going to stay all the way to his senior year, but I think he'll do something close to what Andrew Luck did. Andrew Luck had a chance to come out early. Uh, in his sophomore year, and he could have gone number one over to uh, to Carolina in Cam Newton's spot, but he decided to stay. He wanted to, to try and get a chance with uh, with Stafford. So uh, with Stanford, uh, also didn't work out. Left after his junior year. I think we're going to see the same thing with Sam Darnold. So I'm going to leave after his junior year. So who's going to be there for the Jets come April? Are we going to? Is it going to be Josh Rosen? I hope not. Josh Rosen, obviously a very good talent, uh, got injured last year on his shoulder, so that's good to see how he looks next year. Will we even have the same kind of arm velocity? And also a lot of reports, especially one from Charlie Campbell, com, that this kid is not liked. And I don't mean like, oh, like he's that guy, that, that schmucky jock. I mean, he's a guy that no one likes. Like, no one likes him. No one on his team likes him at all, and he's a quarterback for a major college uh, program, he should at least have a few fake friends. doesn't even have any of that. So that's going to be a huge problem. Um, and then across the board, now, what are they going to do with the receiving core? Right now it's just Quincy Anunua and then no one else, really. Um, uh, how they, who else is in, the, in that receiving core? You know, we have Adarius Stewart, who they drafted last year, and Chad, I'm excited to see what Chad Henson can do and Katie Cannon. 
we'll see what they can do uh, when when the season uh, when the camp starts. I know I had some promise. Our Darius Stewart, uh, people are really torn on him on, on what he can be, but there's no one on that team that that says Pro Bowler to me on that receiving core. That line is iffy. Should be just really to to be generous. It's kind of iffy. And then the defense. I have a lot of problems with this defense right now. Their inside linebackers are bad. Uh, their outside linebackers are okay. Uh, Jenkins and Maldens, we'll see how they progress. Obviously, uh, Muhammad Wilson did not have a good 2016. Hopefully, he'll bounce back this year. But how are they going to play this defense? Are they going to go traditional 3-4? Are they going to play more of a nickel set, of a, of a 4-2 head nickel set? Because Richardson, Williams, and Wilkerson all kind of play that same position of a 3-4 defensive end uh, type player where they're not the biggest. They're not really 3-4 nose quality. Uh, they're more athletic than anything else, and they can really create matchup problems for guards and tackles. They're not meant to clog the middle. Uh, so I'm not sure where they're going to go, what they're gonna, who they're going to put there. Um, I Really, I know they put someone there last year, I think it was, um, uh, yeah, Steve McLendon. He might opine up playing again, but at the same time, you want your best players on the field. And you really have to find a way to get make sure all three of these guys are on the field at the same time, at least for a few packages per game, because that's, where they're, that's really where their talent is located. Defensive backs, you know, I know they got Morris Claiborne. He, I never, was never a huge fan of Claiborne. He had a great year last year after being burned for the first, like, five years of his career. We'll see what happens next year. And then, obviously, the safeties. Jamal Adams, we know, is going to be great. Marcus May, I wasn't a huge fan of Marcus May uh, coming out of college, but I spoke with someone in, in the Florida organization, and they told – and even LSU, too. Uh, and both of them told me that I need to relook at him, that this kid is great. So – I, I respect both of those men's opinions very much. So I'm going to take a look back at May. Maybe I was wrong. It happened. Uh, so maybe there's something there with May that, that I missed. And maybe it'll turn to something great. But really, the Jets are, are, are in a bad, bad situation right now. Almost the Giants. Really, with the Giants, I, I just really want to see how this team looks because it's a gorgeous team. You know, the receiving core of Beckham, Marshall, Shepard, uh, is going to be solid. You add Ingram to that receiving core. You know, Marshall probably won't have a 1,000-yard season. We're looking probably more of a red zone threat. He doesn't have the release or the quickness or the athletic ability to be what he used to be when he was younger. Obviously, he's, you know, he's older now, but he still has the ball skills and the height to be a great red zone threat, which we really don't have. Uh, Beckham and Shepard and Ingram – who, now in case you don't know, Evan Ingram ran a faster 40 time than Odell Beckham Jr. So this guy's really fast. Uh, they're going to be ones who stretch the field, who are going to have great plays between the 20s. I think Marshall's going to be the finisher. Uh, Paul Perkins, I'm not sure how we're going to see uh, Paul. Yeah, he's probably going to be just a very average back. Uh, now maybe he can do some things. He's, like, he's great for this offense. Uh, he's more of a West Coast type back, so it makes sense for this. Um, obviously, we hope Eli can, can bounce back from an if year. The, Line situation we all know about at this point, so I'm not going to harp on it. We know it's not good. Um, honestly, from the interior, it's fine. I need, we need Bobby Hart to step up. I think he can. Flowers, I don't know if he can. I think really 
Flowers is playing right tackle, uh, and we should have another left tackle in there. I think he'd be more fit for right tackle. Um, and then on the defensive line, you know, we're we're good on the defensive line right now with with Harrison, Vernon, and GCP. Obviously, who's going to fill Hankins' void spot? Uh, Hankins went to Indianapolis. Who's going to take that spot? I'm not sure. Uh, they're saying Jay Bromley, but people have been saying Jay Bromley for the longest time. Now, we know he's a pass rusher to the tackle. We haven't seen anything out of him yet. We need to see more out of Jay Bromley. Will be Dalvin Tomlinson, the D-tackle from Bama. I wasn't a huge fan of, of uh, Tomlinson coming out of the draft, but he's a, he's a Bama D-tackle. So he has to have at least some talent. So we'll see what he does there. Uh, obviously, the defensive backs were absolutely killing it there. DRC Jenkins. Uh, Collins, we're, we're, we're looking good. We're absolutely uh, – Apple, we're looking good. Uh, and then linebackers, I want to see – I think we have a new starting three every year, so I want to see who's going to be the starting three. I'm sure that uh, Devin Kennard is going to be in there. Will B.J. Goodson move up and be a starter? Will it see Jonathan Casillas, Keenan Robinson? But honestly, I'm more excited to watch the offense. That offense is going to be a ton of fun to watch. But uh, that's – that's really the, uh, the, the camp preview um, for, no, for us. This outro music always gets me. <laughs> but um, that's the Giants and the Jets preview of, of training camp. Thank you, Mike and Greg, for coming on talking uh, NBA, Carmelo Anthony trade rumors, talking Yankees trade with the White Sox, and of course, Tim Tebow and the Mets. I hope you guys look forward to training camp starting up. If you get a chance, go down to some of those practices. They're a great time. Uh, if you can get to the green-white scrimmage for the Jets, do that as well. That's also a, a good time. But for the Big Apple Sports Hour with Sotsky and G, I am your host, Matt Sotsky. You can follow us on Twitter, at Sotsky and G, or on Facebook, at Sotsky and G Podcasting. You can follow me on Twitter, at M. Sotsky. Um, you can follow Greg at Gilon34. I hope you all enjoyed the show. We'll see you guys, uh, see you guys next week. <laughs>